Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. For the last seven years, my game day guest for this Ohio State preview has been the angel of the big house, Angelique Shingelis. We were all set to go, but Angelique came down with a cold in Madison on Saturday, and by this morning, she had no voice at all. Not a good week for that to happen, but Angelique is resting her vocal cords and hopes she'll be ready to go later this week. I'm sure you won't be disappointed by her backup, Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press, who has long been a fan favorite on this show, is back with us again this week to share his thoughts on Wisconsin and this week's finale with Ohio State. On Thursday's Visitors Edition, and yes, we will have it up and ready to go on Thanksgiving morning, we will once again hear from the beat writer who has been covering Ohio State longer than anyone else down there, Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch. Before we get Nick Baumgartner in here, let's get it rolling as we always do with my view from Section 17. I get a sense a lot of you have very low expectations for this Saturday and are even nervous about the game and think it could get ugly on Saturday. I also sense that many of you are worn down by this season of high expectations and are just hoping to play the Buckeyes tough, but can't imagine beating them is even a possibility. I know, the way we've been playing, it's hard for me to imagine that too. Our defense is among the very best in college football, we all agree, but they cannot win it by themselves. Our young offense is what it is after 11 games, and that's a gigantic work in progress and we don't even know who our starting quarterback is going to be. The stakes aren't as high this Saturday as they were last year or have been so many times in the glorious history of this series. Ohio State does have a lot on the line, though. A Big Ten championship may be a spot in the playoffs, but what do we have? What we have is the game and another reminder that it does matter. The game matters. Playing in the game matters. Witnessing it in person. Watching it on TV or listening on the radio. It matters. It has to generations of Michigan fans, and it will matter to many, many more. It matters to the young men who wear those wingtip helmets and have busted their butts all winter, spring, summer, and fall to get to this moment. The game does matter. I'll end this with one of my favorite euphorisms. I think if he was opening the game on Saturday, he would say, the good news for Ohio State fans is that on paper, Michigan doesn't have a chance today. The bad news is, They won't be playing the game on paper. 
I don't know if we're good enough right now to spring an upset on Saturday, but I do believe we will give our very best effort, and for that, we should be very proud of this young Wolverines team. Nick Baumgartner, like many of you and me, finds it hard to imagine a way Michigan can beat this surging Ohio State team. He shares his thoughts on that and more next, here on The Michigan Man, on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us on our game day segment this week as we get ready for the game and, of course, take a look back at Saturday is Michigan beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. Great to have you back again, Nick. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, when we talked last week, Nick, we said Saturday's Wisconsin game would give us a good idea as to whether this Michigan team had improved. And I guess after Saturday, my answer is yes, maybe a little but it wasn't enough. And as you said in the free press on Sunday, this is uh, what an inch looks like when it's a mile. It was just a, a very hard game to watch. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Not enough. You know, that's the not, not nearly enough. That's kind of the, the answer. I think in some areas, yeah. You know, in some areas, they, they probably got better. Um, but, you know, like, like you said, uh, the, the growth that's been made this season hasn't, you know, there haven't been any leaps uh necessarily and that's what was going to be you know required for this team to have uh you know aspirations of, of being able to hang on that level and um you know they're just not there yet um for for a number of reasons and um you know people can be upset about that and that's fine um you know the one thing that stands out to me is is that you know a lot of folks myself included i picked them to be nine and three at the beginning of the year uh and i and i got told at the beginning of the year that if they're nine and three i'm going to be upset from a lot of folks but now i think people have backed off and <laughs> realized that maybe you know shooting for the moon this year was a little bit a little bit of a stretch but you know same time um you know the offensive line's not there uh the skill position you know you are down Tariq black but the skill position players at receiver um even though donovan people's jones appears to be maybe the most improved player they have right now not there uh, the pass protection is bad across the board, and you can't keep a quarterback healthy. I liked what we saw from Brandon Peters, but overall on the offense, um, a long way to go before they're ready to do this, uh, I think. And um, we'll see. they got one more week uh, against Ohio State to prove if they can turn some things around. But again, uh, there is no evidence suggesting that that's going to be some, some sort of spectacular explosion uh, from them. So long way to go in a lot of areas on offense and that's what that again is what is what is keeping them back and you know nick when we talked in august i think everyone agreed nine and three eight and four might be the reality i think maybe what upsets people is okay nine and three eight and four we can accept that but everyone thought maybe it would be a more competitive nine and three or eight and four yeah and you would see improvement where you could say okay well we got beat by wisconsin in their place 
And who knows what's going to happen Saturday against Ohio State. But I think that's the frustrating thing for fans. They really don't see anything getting better from week to week. Well, it's two things. One, you lost to Michigan State at home. No one expected that. Um, I don't think anybody picked that. That's one that uh, has stuck out like a sore thumb all season for them and one that fans have not been able to get over. Uh, because and, and the team, too. I mean, that's the other part of it. You know, we talk, the two, there's always two conversations, fans and what, what the fans are thinking, what the team is thinking. They watched Michigan State get absolutely manhandled by Ohio State, and I guarantee you they were like, what happened here? What did we do in that game? Uh, and that's one that they're not going to be able to get over. That's one that's going to sting all year. Uh, that's one that no one saw coming. And so you lost that one. And on top of that, yes, like you said, Mike, you know, Penn State wasn't close. It wasn't competitive. Uh, Wisconsin was, I thought, it felt a little bit similar to what we saw last year. A similar, different situation, of course, what we saw last year with Ohio State where Michigan played with and maybe even outplayed Wisconsin for, for a half of football. But in this one, I just kept watching it thinking, okay, well, Wisconsin is not playing well. Michigan also really isn't playing well either. They keep you know, shooting themselves in the foot, screwing up, yet we're still here watching a tie game. But you just had that feeling that one thing's going to go wrong here and Michigan's not going to be able to recover, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, it took, it took four minutes for that game to turn from a 10-7 lead to an insurmountable deficit for Michigan. I mean, four minutes, and it was just the wheels had completely fallen off. So, uh, you know, they weren't competitive in the second half against Wisconsin. They weren't competitive at all against Penn State. And like you said, we'll see again. We'll see against Ohio State. But that's really the, what sticks out. You, you you blew one against Michigan State, and then in the games that everybody thought you you would probably lose, you weren't competitive. And one more week to, to go here. But that's what that's what people are looking at, and that's why I think a lot of folks are frustrated because it just it doesn't look like they're that close to the level they need to be at. Well, the defense was good overall for just about three quarters, Nick. I mean, the second half, uh, I don't know what else they could do. I think the first three possessions, uh, they gave the offense great field position. And okay, they cracked late in the game. Uh, they just could not hold yeah. up in the fourth. But they more than continued to do their part, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, you know, you're talking about basically, you know, that it wasn't their fault that uh, the, the special teams unit completely botched the punt return. That's not on the defense. So if you're looking at it, you're sitting here saying, okay, well, middle of the third quarter, their defense is pitching a shutout. They, you know, they have not allowed anything. And so they give up one bad drive. Uh, but again, I think it's, there's pressure on you when you're, the, when you're a defense that's playing like this. And, you know, it's, it's 14 to 10, and it feels like it's 40 to 10 because you know, because you know the offense is going gonna to have to be perfect for them to move the ball and even get a field goal. And when we're watching that and we're thinking that, don't tell me that the defense isn't thinking the same thing. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily negative, but I think pressure gets built on them. Uh, and one mistake, it's over, you know, overblown, and they, they let up a reverse there, and all of a sudden now it's 21-10, and now it's like, well, the game just seems completely over. I mean, when you're, when you're, playing, when you're playing football that's, and, you're, and you're so one-sided that everything is on your defense, and your defense basically has to go score points for you to, to have a chance, um, yeah, I think at some point you wear out, and that's what that's probably what happened to the defense. I mean, they were out there doing everything they could uh, for three and a half quarters, and, and they they had two they had two bad possessions. That's really all it was. They had two bad possessions, um, and that was the game. I mean, and we've seen that happen. We saw that happen against Michigan State, where they had probably two bad possessions, and it cost them the game because the offense did nothing. They had two bad possessions here against Wisconsin, and it turned into just being insurmountable because the quarterback got hurt, and you couldn't do anything for the rest of the way. And I don't know. I mean, it's that's you, you hang in as long as you can. 
and you do all you can, but you know, no one can really blame the defense for this one. That's, you know, it is what it is. Wisconsin made plays on two possessions and you tip your hat to them, but that's only 14 points. That shouldn't be enough to lose a football game. You know, you shouldn't, you should be able to score more than 14 points uh, and it just can't happen. So that's, that's the problem. So I mean, defense I think is running into the problem of, you know, what else are we supposed to do here? And um, this is a close football team. There's no, there's no sniping going back and forth. So that's good. But I think that mentally they just wear themselves out and it's, it's, you know, it's tough to play that way. In that fourth quarter, Nick, the difference was that Wisconsin made the plays when they had to. You know, I thought Hornibrook was pedestrian much of the game, um, first yeah. three quarters. But man, it, you have to give the kid credit. He made big throws in tight coverage. I mean, Michigan's coverage was not bad on, on those two no. big passes he made. He was just on the money, made the plays. Well, th- yeah. And this is what he does. This is what he's done all year. And this is what Wisconsin, you know, it's funny. Wisconsin does runs more or less uh, different. They're, they're different fundamentally and, and technically, but more or less they run the same idea of, as what Michigan's wanted to do on offense. And now they want to pound the football and they're going to ask their quarterback to make a couple shots a game that are going to just be backbreakers and they pull it off and you see what happens when they do. I mean, he makes the necessary throws when they're there and gives them room to then just go pound the football. And that's exactly what happened. That is their, that is a custom made game plan for Wisconsin. That's what they do all year. Uh, that's what Hornibrook has done all year. He's made mistakes all season. He's looked po- he's looked poor at times all season, but he's been able to kind of hang in there and make some throws. Uh, and like you said, I mean, it's third and 16, and he gets, you know, a receiver gets a step on Jalen Kelly Powell, and he he th- he makes as perfect a deep throw as you could possibly. That's an NFL, NFL throw. There are NFL quarterbacks that wouldn't make it as good as that. That was perfect down the sideline for about 50 yards. And then it's third and 15 again, or third and 11, whatever it was, uh, from 20, 25 yards out, and he throws an absolute laser right down the seam on a guy who the ball could only be thrown in one spot, otherwise it's getting picked off, and he throws it right down the middle, it's a touchdown. So he makes two throws. <laughs> really, if you boil it down the whole game, he had nine completions, um, and really only two of them were, were really, you know, throws that you're like, whoa, those are impressive, and, and that was it. Those, and that was the ball game. And then the second touchdown was on a, on a nicely called reverse when Michigan was reeling, and uh, and that was it, you know. But really, for me, once it got to 14-10, um, I thought this thing was going to be kind of tough anyway. And then once Brandon Peters goes down, well, now you're like, well, now it's it's over. I mean, they they just he, Brandon Peters was the only reason they were in the game. And when he goes out, you know, the lights go out, and I kind of wonder too if if the defense sees that and thinks, geez, you know, this is. That's gonna, it's going to be tough now, and I wonder if everybody the sales just kind of just fell when when Brandon Peters went down uh, across the board, and you could just kind of see it where the wind just went right out of him, and uh, Wisconsin took advantage. Well, something happened. I mean, when John O'Corn came in, I, you know, I yep. think the fans especially were probably sitting back saying, "Oh, good lord!" But you know what? Uh, he made three throws, Nick, in the fourth quarter that were right on the money and were dropped. Yes. Uh, I mean, those were good passes. So those were drive killers, uh, all three of those drops. Horrible. So yeah. it, it was not that he came in and just laid an egg either. No, and that's where we, that's where we go back to. It's a perfect example of what we talk about when we said the offense is not there. There's people that want to just – I saw someone say, you know, some, a national writer tweet that, you know, until Jim Harbaugh finds a quarterback, this is what this offense is going to be. Um, that's not it. I mean, you know, the, the quarterback, of course, is not settled. and. You know, while I was encouraged, of course, like I think everybody else probably was, with what they saw from Brandon Peters, um, it is more than that. If you've watched this football team all year, you know that. You know, John O'Corn made some nice throws to Sean McCune, Zach Gentry, and whomever else it was. 
those are just flat drops. And, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. And the offensive line was not able to keep Brandon Peters standing up. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think, made the, the, for the first time all year, somebody went up and caught a ball uh, on a throw where they just kind of bailed their quarterback out. And even then, it was pushed out of bounds and he wasn't able to <laughs> track his feet. But at the same time, I mean, it's across the board. You know, they don't have receivers uh, that are capable of getting open consistently. They don't have an offensive line that is capable of blocking on the ground against good defenses, nor are they capable of keeping somebody standing up in the backfield. They've lost two quarterbacks to the hospital in football games this year. That is not a fluke. That's, that's what happens when you allow free rush after free rush on your quarterback. They get hit and they get hurt. And so it's really everywhere. And like you said, when John O'Corn comes in the game, he makes a couple of nice throws and just dropped. And it's just, you know, and you're only down 11, guys. You know, go down the field and score. You get a field goal and we'll see what happens here. But they just couldn't do it. And it's it's everything offensively. Everything about what they're doing offensively is broken or damaged or not there. And that's really the ultimate kind of telltale about the whole team. It is what it is right now. But with all of the talent we have at the outside, and Brandon Peters, I think, is a playmaker. I think he mm-hmm. will be in the future. That through 11 games, we just have not been able to develop a playmaker. Yeah, surpri- yes. I'm surprised that, uh, at the lack of, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones has made a lot of strides this year, and he's maybe the one where I can point to and say, uh, the tight ends, McCune and Gentry have gotten better as well. But in the receiving core, you lost Tariq Black. And, it, I, mean, I mean, that can't be an excuse where you say, <laughs> we lost a, re- a true freshman in week three, and our entire passing game went into a crater because of it. Like, what? Like, that's like, I mean, I know he was a good player and, and you were expecting a lot out of him, but he was, he was not perfect either. Um, you know, he would have certainly helped, but I got to think that there'd still be issues here. Uh, but, you know, Peoples Jones has gotten a lot better and he's improved. But if you look at the rest of the receivers, not there. I mean, you know, just not happening. And, and that's where I, just, you know, Kakoa Crawford, uh, Eddie McDoom, nothing. And I know Crawford has been dinged up, but at the same time, just they have not gotten better. And uh, if they have, it's been negligible. I mean, the, the, the differences have been, what, you know, what's going on here. Uh, you know, Maurice Way's never, never really able to do it. Uh, Grant Perry is what he is, I guess. And, you know, he, he looks like he has regressed in some areas or at least hasn't gotten any better uh, or is just, a, is just a, you know, a slot guy who is what he is. And then the, and across the board for the rest of the way, it's you're begging guys. Drake Harris begging you, come, come out and do something, anything. No, just nothing. So you're getting nothing from anyone. And, uh, that is concerning, and I think that there are people who just sit here and sit here and just assume that lights are just going to turn on for guys. Well, next year they'll be fine. Well, how do you how do you know that? I don't know that. I mean, maybe they will be, but I don't know that that's reality or fact because we just watched guys get a ton of reps all season and not do much other than people's Jones, not do much with them. So that's really that's a concern if if you're Michigan going forward is how your how your specialty guys on the outside are being coached. Uh, how they're being developed, and what's going on there. And that's one thing, you know, Jim Harbaugh is going to take a lot of looks at what's going on and how they're handling things. And that would probably be number one on my list or right up there is how are we developing these wide receivers? They don't have a, they don't have a specific everyday wide receivers coach. Maybe that needs to change because, you know, guys are not getting what they need, obviously, to, to, to improve and get better because they're just not making plays. And, and that's glaring. They just don't have that. And, and until that gets fixed, you know, it's going to be tough because you're playing one-handed on offense with an offensive line who's not good enough. And when you do, when you do it that way, you're going to get eaten alive. And, and that's what we've seen. Well, when I watched the presser after the game, Nick, for the first time, I thought in three years, Jim looked really tired. And I guess the only word I can come up with is he looked befuddled. He really seems yeah. very frustrated right now, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, how could you not be? You know, I mean, really with Brandon uh, Peters comes in the game. 
And I think all week, if you're him, you're probably wondering, you know, how, is, how is this kid going to react on a big stage in a big moment? And your answer was, he's going to react well, and he's going to play well. And, you know, like I just said earlier, Brandon Peters was the reason why they were in the game. I mean, his drive in the second quarter uh, was the best drive they've had all year, where he goes 85 yards, he makes a couple of perfect throws, gets him into the right stuff, is standing in there, is taking hits. You know, he made one where he stepped into he stepped into a throw to Zach Gentry where he had a 310-pound nose tackle coming right at him, and he knew he was going to get leveled, but he made the throw anyway, and it set up uh, set up first and goal. I mean, he, he did this all game where he stood in and take, he took shots, he made plays, and he looked exactly like the guy that they, they want him to be uh, going forward, and it was all very good. It was all looking like it was going to be very good. And then, again, you can't solve – you know, he was pressured, Mike, I had him drop back. I, I counted 25 dropbacks. He was pressured 13 times, uh, and he was hit at least eight or nine. And, you know, you, you, at some point, the next hit's going to be the one that does it. And, you know, it's an un, uncontested stunt where they don't pick up anything again, and he gets leveled, and he gets knocked out of the game. And at that point, if you're Jim Harbaugh, I think you're looking around wondering, what are we doing? We have now sent two quarterbacks from a, from a football field to the hospital because we can't keep them standing up. And that's – that's not improved. That happened in September. That happened in October. That happened in November. Again, the other day, hasn't gotten any better. And that's where the frustration lives, I think, in that, you know, they can't seem to get enough done um, to make this offense work. And there's not a lot of room for error uh, anyway, but, uh, you know, they're just not there. And I think that's probably where the biggest frustration parts lie. With us on our game day segment this week, as we get ready for the game Saturday against Ohio State, is Michigan beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. Well, a lot of questions as we've just uh, discussed, Nick, and we have time to think about that. Jim Harbaugh and his staff do not, uh, as he has to turn his attention to the finale on Saturday. First and foremost on his mind has to be, what are we doing at quarterback? Of course, it's Monday. Mm -hmm. Uh, The presser is uh, later today. Unless Brandon just has a headache uh, and Wilton is cleared to play with really very little practice time. It's looking like John O'Corn's going to be under center, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's the healthiest option at the moment, and, you know, maybe, who knows? I don't know what, you know, I know LaVert Hill spent all week in concussion protocol last week, and every concussion is different. And Some guys, you know, what they do is if they're in protocol, they meet with the doctor every day until the doctor clears them of symptoms, and then they're able to come back. But even then, I think, you know, you're kind of eased back into things. Uh, and like you said with Wilton, he practiced last week, but wasn't able to get in contact. Um, and you'd be asking him to go out there with a with a neck injury that's been just healed, uh, with an offensive line who can't keep anybody standing up, and all those things. And then, so yeah, I mean, John O'Corn is the healthiest guy, and you know, John O'Corn hasn't been able to get it done in the time he's been in there. He was pulled. He wasn't pulled because he was hurt. He was pulled because he wasn't playing well. So you're down to your third quarterback. Um, if that's the case, it's going to be a rough one. Against Ohio State, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's I don't know what you do in that one, other than the hope that John O'Gorman has the game of his life, and it's enough because Ohio State is the most talented team you or you will have played all season. Uh, I think everyone knows that. So, you know, a lot of questions, and uh, but they've had questions all season, and this is just one more week of it where it's you have to figure something out um, to go in there and probably play shorthanded again against a team that you just can't seem to beat. And uh, and you want to talk about frustration? I mean, that's that's where this whole thing boils over, where you know your rivals, the top teams. And you can't do it. And that's and if you can't pull it off again, that's going to be one more log on the fire that's just going to bubble all off season of you know when is this going to change? And um, and that's what people are frustrated with right now. And and that's what they're frustrated with inside the building too. That's that's not something they're just ignoring. 
so that's something I'm sure that they'd love to get it fixed, but uh, you know, lots going to have to happen for them to compete this week. We saw what happened uh, against that Wisconsin defense, but this Saturday, Ohio State has a defense just as good. An offense that is much better than Wisconsin's. I mean, so throw the cliches out there. It's a rivalry. Anything can happen. But right now, I I cannot imagine a scenario, Nick, in which Michigan can win this game. It's hard to see it. You know, it it, it reminds me of, this is going to remind me more of the Penn State game where Ohio State's offense is so dynamic that, you know, with Wisconsin, you know, you could rely on them making mistakes to, to keep you in the game. You know, Wisconsin made errors in that game that kept Michigan in the football game. And Michigan just wasn't able to take advantage of it and, and separate. But either way, Wisconsin, the odds of Ohio State doing that, now they have had one game on the schedule. They did play terrible against Iowa. So they have laid an egg. So if Ohio State shows up and does that again, then sure, you know, you have a chance. But the odds of that happening don't seem very good because Michigan doesn't seem to get the benefit of playing someone when they lay an egg. That just doesn't seem to happen. So um, especially in this game here. But I think you're going to need help from Ohio State. I think you're going to need Ohio State to play poorly. Uh, and if they can make mistakes, if somehow they make mistakes, you're going to have to jump on them. Because even with, you know, John O'Corn in there, if, unless Brandon Peters can't go or Wilton Spade can't go, uh, it's going to be a tough battle. It's going to be a tough battle either way. But um, there's no evidence to suggest, no, that this offense is going to just magically wake up and light somebody up for 400 yards. I mean, it hasn't happened all season against a good team. So, um it's hard to see. It really is. Um, Michigan would have to play out of its mind defensively, stifle Ohio State to a level that we haven't seen anybody do all season, um, and hang in there and make enough plays on offense. And even then, I don't know if that's an, I don't know if they'd have enough. So uh, tough, tough deal. But that's there's only one recipe for it, and it's your defense is going to have to smother them, and your offense is going to have to grind it out. And that's that seems really difficult right now. But that seems to be the only way it could happen. Well, I think the big thing for fans, Nick, and you and I have talked about this, it's not just about this year or the last two. It's about the last decade for Michigan fans. And you can yep. sense fans are getting sort of worn down with the you know the promise of better days and then watching this team. I, I guess we have to say the honeymoon is truly over for Jim with a growing segment of the fan base, isn't it? Yeah, and it's funny because the, the past decade, every time a coach comes in here, and this isn't, this isn't just Jim Harbaugh, this is everybody, Every time a coach comes in here and they say, well, it's only my third year, or they, you know, not that Jim Harbaugh said this, well, people will say this for him. It's only my third year. What do you want? What would you have me do? It's not my fault they haven't lost or they haven't beaten a team on the road since 06. I've only had a couple of chances at it and I haven't been able to get it done, but it's only my third year. Whatever. That, if you're, if you're not understanding, and maybe Jim Harbaugh does, I don't know. He hasn't said anything about this either way. So maybe I'm giving him, maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. But if you're not understanding what, what the people who support and pay all this money to watch you are, have gone through, for the past 10 or 11 years, then you're not doing your job because they're not, they're not here. If you expected them to just give you time, all this time in the world to figure this out and continue to lose like this after they've gone through just, you know, horrible year after horrible year after horrible year for 10 or 11 years, you were sorely mistaken. You did that to yourself. You know, I liken it to uh, Indiana basketball. They hired a new coach, Archie Miller, this year. Uh, and he came in and one of the first things he said was, is, we're going to need time. And I remember thinking, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that you would ask that fan base, who's as passionate as Indiana's is, like Michigan's, who's been through terrible time after terrible time, for patience, for more patience. I mean, it's just like, how many more years of this can you ask for? So not that Jim Harbaugh is asking anyone for patience, and maybe he, maybe he doesn't want it either. But at the same time, anyone who sits there and says, like, it's only a third hero, would you have him do? I mean, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. But it's just, it's, you have to understand both sides of it. You have to understand that, yeah, it probably does take time. But I can, like I've said to you, Mike, a couple times, I totally get 
why people are frustrated. They're sick of it. They're sick of hearing, just wait till we get that recruit in here, or that recruit in here, or whatever. I mean, they're just sick and tired of hearing it because it's not doing anything to get any, anywhere closer to being where Ohio State is or anybody else. And they're not there. They're just not. They're not a championship-level team right now. And it's hard for me to say that they're close to it. I mean, everyone wants to shoot at me and say, well, they are close. Well, I don't know that. You don't know that. None of us do. You have no idea. I mean, they could go next year and lose two or three games again. Then what? You know, so and then you just kick the can down the road and say, well, wait until 2020. I mean, so that's where the frustration, I think, is from folks. I think everyone probably understands it. It's just a matter of when are they going to get it fixed. And uh, it's tough to see it right now, but it, it just sort of is what it is. And, yeah, Jim Harbaugh is not immune to criticism. He should have never been immune to criticism. Uh, but he was for a while, and now he's not. And now we'll see how that all unfolds. He's obviously the best coach for the team. Uh, there's no one that's in their right mind suggesting that that's, that that's something otherwise. But, um, you know, it's on him to figure it out, and, and that'll be the task and something I'm sure he'll be plenty focused on as they go forward. Well, as low as Michigan fans are right now, this morning, they're going to snap out of it by Saturday at noon. And it wouldn't sure. wash away the bad moments this year, but, man, uh, a win on Saturday – however you make it happen, would certainly be huge for Jim, the team, the fans, and the recruits watching this game. I mean, you cannot understate that. No, I mean, even a competitive game, yeah, like you said, would, would, would give people a jolt, but give your players a jolt, more importantly, um, and would give everybody something to feel better about going into a bowl. Maybe you go into a bowl, get a win there, get to nine. If you lose that one, feel better about yourself in the offseason. Well, and I will also say this, Mike, when we're sitting here talking about how a possible eight and four year is like rock bottom, I think that mm-hmm. kind of means that Jim Harbaugh's probably done a lot of good work because we saw what rock bottom was, and it was probably worse than five and seven when, when Brady Oak was around here. Three and nine, you know, those records that Rich Rodriguez has, this team's not close to that. They're not losing to, you know, they're not out there losing to Rutgers or losing to Minnesota or losing to Maryland. Uh, let's, let's get, they blew all those teams out of the water. Those are all teams Brady Oak lost to in his third year when that team was a complete calamity. Uh, that's not happening. So, you know, everyone, maybe maybe some perspective. I understand the frustration, but at the same time, we're talking about an 8-4 season being an absolute disaster. 8-4 season with freshmen everywhere. Uh, I think perspective is probably needed on some level. Jim Harbaugh's won a lot of games here. He hasn't lost to anyone he's not supposed to other than probably Michigan State and I guess Iowa last year. So that's two games out of 40, whatever it's been. You know, I can't totally slam for that. You haven't beaten anybody, and that's the one thing that's still standing in your way but you haven't done a lot of those. Well, there's no reason you should be losing these games. That hasn't happened yet. So at least you have that still and and you're moving forward in that area. You know, Urban could care less about our our youth or our quarterback injuries and situation. He's going to come out and stick it to us if he can. And he really has to because uh, Ohio State, as much as it irks me to say this, is with two losses in a very good spot right now to make the playoffs, aren't they? Yeah, they're at least in the conversation. That's all you can ask for is make it, you know, make it difficult on the committee. You know, the, the hard, you know, hard part there for them is Michigan's not going to be a ranked team. Um, the, committee has, the, the committee has no value for Michigan, so I don't know if, you know if that would be considered a quality win. So the only way you make it a quality win is by going out there and, and trying to blow them out. I mean, that's and that's what I would think Ohio State's probably going to try to do. I mean, I would assume that that's what they want. I mean, they want style points. They want to hammer somebody. They got style points the last two weeks. They got it against Michigan State when they ran them out of the building, and I'm sure that'll be the same effort here uh, this week and probably the same thing again next week when they play in the Big Ten title game. So, yeah, if you're Michigan, you're not going to get sympathy. No one's waiting around for you to pick up your, you know, pick up your drops bag and pick, put all the papers back in and get going forward here again. That's, and that's been the lesson for 10 years. 
no one is waiting around for you. No one feels bad for you. No one is going to wait and hold your hand until you fix this. They're going to continue to come after you as hard as they have. We've been through this before. No one likes Michigan. These teams don't like them. They love to beat them. And they're not going to wait around and feel sorry for you. I mean, you're going to have to do it on your own. And you're going to have to, this, That's why the job's hard. The job is really, really hard. Uh, it was hard before Jim Harbaugh took it. I don't know if he fully understood how difficult it was when he took it, but he knows now that this is a really difficult job and this ain't 1975 and all, you know, all respect to Bo Schimbeckler. He, if he were here today, he'd tell you things are different now. It's a lot harder than it was. And there's a lot more going on and uh, it's tough. It's a really tough job at a, at a place that doesn't really flinch with, with doing it the right way and doing things the way that they need to be done. That puts you at a disadvantage, fair or not. And that's the task he has. So he's not one to shy away from a challenge, but this is absolutely a challenge. And it's one that will still be interesting to see how he, how he uh, handles it going forward. And well, the final question for you, Nick, uh, if, and I'm not conceding anything to Ohio State, but if they win here on Saturday, they play Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game next. Mm-hmm. And as much as I respect what Wisconsin does, I think they are just a, a well-coached, solid, gritty football team. Yeah. I, I don't see them having a prayer against Ohio State, do you? No, no, I, <laughs> I don't. Um, not if Ohio State has its fastball. Um, yeah, Wisconsin is an, is another example of, you know, people complain a lot about these divisions, and I have a hard time arguing with them. I mean, they're so out of whack. Uh, they're 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 designed ge- geographically for a reason, but they're so lopsided right now that you could take any of these four teams: uh, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. I think right now, put them in with flip them with Wisconsin, and uh, any of those four teams, I got to think would have a pretty good shot at winning that division. I mean, just basically uh, by default. I mean, because you just don't want over there. You know, Iowa decides they want to play well once a year. Northwestern uh, is still Northwestern. They're going to win eight or nine games this year, but, you know, whatever. I mean, they beat Michigan State, I suppose, but they didn't do anything else. Nebraska's a disaster. Uh, and then Illinois can't do anything. Indiana can't do anything. Purdue can't do anything. And then you're Wisconsin. You're just there grinding away. So we'll see. Uh, but, no, I would not give them much of a chance in that one. And if they lose that one badly, then, yeah, they're done. And Ohio State would be your option if you're the playoff committee. It's either Ohio State or nobody. So that's that's what the Big Ten's looking at right now. My guest today has been beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. Uh, as always, Nick, good stuff, and we look forward to having you back soon. Have a happy Thanksgiving. All right, Mike, you too. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up on this week's Game Day Edition here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, at his Monday presser, Jim said Brandon Peters is in concussion protocol. He was 50% better on Monday, but it's still a day-to-day process. He said Wilton is practicing but still has not been cleared for contact. There are numerous other injuries that players are working through, though Lavert Hill has been cleared to play. Ty Isaac is nursing a lower body injury. 
Karan Higdon battling a foot injury, and there are several other players dinged up. We'll have any updates we can get on Thursday's Visitor's Edition. Jim said Cesar Ruiz has not locked down the right guard spot, but is playing at a starter's level. He said Mike McRae has been a really good captain this year. He's been a true leader on and off the field, and a great example for the team. Jim said he loves the way his team works and the effort they give. Jim mentioned he saw his first Michigan-Ohio State game in 1973, but he understood even more the first time he played in the game. You understand it the more experience you have with it, he said. He said this is his team's opportunity to put an exclamation point on the season. He said Ohio State is fast, a strong team that tackles well, and he can't say enough good things about them. A very good team. And on a final note, Jim said John O'Corn is sitting on a spring and waiting for his opportunity to play. And right now, unless something changes, it looks like John will be under center on Saturday. Thanks again to Nick Baumgartner for stepping in at the last minute to cover for Angelique Shengelis here on our preview of The Game. She lost her voice with a bad cold after Saturday's game, but we'll have Angelique back in the coming weeks with her thoughts on the season, maybe looking at the bowl game. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, we will welcome back Buckeye beat writer Tim May of the Columbus Dispatch. This will be the eighth year in a row Tim has joined us to preview the game. So even though it's Thanksgiving, make sure you carve out a few minutes to join us for that and some final thoughts from me on Saturday's game. Our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play stores. You can also hear us on iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Wolverine Sports Radio. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to rate or comment on us. Thanks in advance. That will do it for another game day edition. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Make sure you come back on Thursday for our visitors edition with Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch. Until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!